Welcome everyone to this uh, beginning of uh, our integrated awakening retreat. Um, we're really uh, glad that um, you and us, all of us here together, could take out this time from our lives to focus on the practice of the Dharma. And I'd just like to emphasize that everyone here is very welcome into this space and into this practice. That the Buddha made it very clear that whatever situation we came from, whatever condition we're in, whatever our background, ethnically, racially, uh, whatever way that we designate ourselves according to gender or outside the gender binary, whatever age that we are, whether we're in good health or struggling with ill health, um, whatever lands we've come from, whatever situation that anyone and everyone is able to pick up this dharma and practice it for their own welfare and uh, alleviation and overcoming of unnecessary suffering and for the benefit of others or out of compassion for others and for this world uh, that we can pick up this practice and do it. There's no hindrances for any of us. Of course, we will face hindrances, but fundamentally there's no hindrance because of, of who we are and where we've come from. So welcome to each and every one of you. My name is Tanisara, and uh, this is Kitty Saro, who will be introducing the retreat in a moment. Um, Kitty Saro and I have just arrived about a week ago from South Africa, where we've been teaching for about three months, and where we have a center on the border of Lesotho, inland from Durban. Uh, so we, we came from a warm and sunny climate. <laughs> slightly dreading dreading the transition into the snow. So um, first of all, we were in Tennessee for a week, uh, just um, orientating ourselves within the family home there. And then we came up yesterday into the snowy, snowy lands of the Northeast. Um, so um, we, on behalf of both of us, we, we, again, we, we welcome each of you. And I'd like to introduce Dara. Dara, who is, uh, this is the third retreat now, Dara has worked with us uh, as our assistant teacher. And Dara is in teacher training, is uh, from New York. And um, we'll introduce herself a bit more in a moment. And also I'd like to welcome very warmly Sebene, also from New York. Uh, Sebene is also um, helping us as an assistant and is in uh, training with us, um, in teacher training with us, Kirisara and I, myself. And um, we are very delighted to have Sebene and Duran, very necessary to have Sebene and Duran here to support our retreat and to help us. So so we're, we're, we're very thrilled that they can be here to support your retreat as well. So, um, if you'd like to say a few words. Yeah, to um, put, hook yourself up. Should be. I'm just going to hold it. <laughs> So welcome, I'm Dara Williams, and uh, as Tanisara said, this is the third year that I'm assisting them, and I also sat this retreat three years before that each year with them. So um, I feel very much held um, by them and, and know that I'm being uh, trained very, very well. Uh, so although it's been cold and icy and, and all of that, I'm heartened to know that spring will arrive while we are here, actually. Uh, and you see the robins, and just very, very happy to have you here and to be here with you 
as we move through the equinox, the full moon. This is really going to be a very uh, powerful week in relationship to uh, nature and what is happening that we are a part of. So um, I look forward to each day that we have together. And um, I will be meeting all of you. All of us will be meeting most of you um, by the time we get to Saturday. So have a blessed retreat. So again, my name is Sabane, Sabane Selassie, and I just feel so honored to be here. This is also my third retreat at IMS with Tanisa and Kitisaro, but I'm usually on that side of the room, so um, it's very uh, um, auspicious feeling, but also a little nervous-making for me to be on this side this time. But I feel very blessed by your presence and I always think it's it's a bit of a miracle that we can come together like this in this culture to make this space and time for something so precious and profound is is very special. So thank you for being part of it with me and I look forward to meeting you. Can you hear me if I'm speaking like this? Okay. Echoing the welcome uh, from Tinisara and uh, Dara and Sebene. Tanisha and I are are grateful to have the wise and loving presence and assistance of Darain and Sebene to to help us uh, host host this practice. Even though we're up here at the front of the room, uh, that doesn't mean we've uh, got all the answers of that we've done it, finished. This practice is ongoing and life-giving. I'm still incredibly grateful even though the practice has been the center of my life since I went off to Thailand to become a monk in 1976, so that's what, 24, 39, 38, 39 years, even though it has been the the center of my life for that time, I can see it's so dangerous to park off and think, oh, I've got it maybe for an instant, still so wonderful, so life-giving, so restorative to begin again. This going for refuge, this recovering, it's always here and now. always present. And even even today, uh, waking up uh, tired from our, though it wasn't a transatlantic journey, still these, these, these plane journeys, traveling, waking up not feeling uh, very well this morning. And also the, the, monumental shift in our lives of uh, just two months ago today, my dear 98-year-old father uh, finally uh, was able just to let go. 
had a wish, and it was my daily prayer that uh, he may fulfill that wish. His wish was to finish his days at the house he built with mom 66 years ago, out on Lake Chickamauga. And when the body was breaking down, though his mind was remarkably clear, right before we left for Africa, he says, you know, Kitty Sorrow, it's, it's hard to leave this world. But my wish was that he could uh, die naturally and peacefully, surrounded by love, in this place where he wanted to be. Uh, and uh, he was able to do that. I'm very uh, happy about wonderful, generous, spirited man who blessed at the end, even though he was so incapacitated, he blessed, blessed everyone with his gratitude, with his grace, with his patience. Yet as we now are looking at 66 years of accumulated stuff in this falling down house, and the recognition that our, our, our lives, because we, for these last eight years, that's been the, well, since we've, we've been married 20 years, whenever we're in America, that is the center of our lives, the base of going and checking on Dad and helping him. As that's now all shifting, as we're facing a lot of uncertainty, physically, as we're aging with our own bodies and health, in the world with its ecological, political, psychological stress and craziness. Where, where to find stability, something trustworthy? And just because maybe I can say, oh, but I've been practicing for 24, 38, 39 years, I mean, so what? Are we able, am I able, and even this morning, so helpful just to turn to not feeling particularly well. The mind could easily, oh, it should be in this and start thinking away. But just to return to a moment of letting go of how it should be and receiving this is how it is. Breathing with, patiently receiving the sensations of fatigue, of uncertainty, and able to gratefully recognize, whoa, how fortunate to have arrived in a sanctuary, a place that has for decades been welcoming, honoring, giving space for seekers like you and me, people in the world, beings in the world, who have a sense that, it, that we're not eternally bound by our worry, bound by our difficulties, that there is a possibility of growing in wisdom and compassion, honoring that there is a journey this place honors and trusts that there is a journey from confusion to clarity, from stress and suffering to peace. As we were all, hundred of us or so, coming in, each bringing all kinds of echoes from our lives, and I'm sure we have, all of us, formidable challenges and uncertainties and difficult circumstances in the midst of a world that in some respects, yes, is incredibly beautiful, magical, and yet also on fire with conflict. That is, we, we, we come here Times it might be crowded, times we might have to wait in the line when we don't want to, and it might not be exactly what we want. Maybe the schedule's too much, or the schedule's too little, or the schedule's too early, or the schedule's too late. But I just encourage us to pause and, and, and reflect in the 
scheme of things. What good fortune that we have to come to a sanctuary that values peacefulness, that values harmlessness, that at least is making the effort to, to honor and welcome us in all our differences. Remembering that with all these incredible differences, that somehow we're part of a family Or as our teachers used to say, we're brothers and sisters in birth and death, that that we're part of a family, that we, we share this experience of struggle, of dukkha, and this somehow longing for some peace, Longing for the return to the recognition of our kinship, of, the, of how we come together. And this place would not be here were it not for lots of conditions, but for the awakened one, the great awakened one, the Buddha. After incredible striving... realized unshakable peace. And as we, as we begin, it's uh, very important to start with some what the Buddha called samaditi, a, a balanced, what, what's sometimes translated as a right way of seeing, <coughs> a, a balanced, a full, a skillful way, even with all this striving and confusion and uncertainties that we have to to remember that even though there is a talk of a path that goes from suffering to the ending of suffering, that what the Buddha realized was, in a way, unexpected for him. He realized that the, the true peacefulness was, was not attained. It was a dimension of reality that's always already here. And that the, ironically, the very imagining that he's getting closer, that he's going to get there. Or the very imagining, the conceptualization, the concretization, the making solid, the sense of this shouldn't be, this whatever, trying to push this, get over this pain or get over this shame or get... That the trying to leap forward or to push away was... led to an endless striving of always trying to get there, get it right, and overlooking a brightness, a peacefulness that is, that is. So as we begin our practice and lay out a sequence, a graduated practice path, just to keep remembering throughout our cultivation that it's not that we're trying to get somewhere else. We're learning more and more to be fully here. So it's not necessarily a question of getting rid of, but illumining, illuminating, seeing into the nature of how things are. Just to give a little image. Quoting from our uh, dear Thai master, Rajan Chah, once he said, our lives these days, we're simply doing the same old things we've always done. 
people think too much. There are the sciences like mathematics, physics, psychology, and so forth. You can delve into any number of them, but you can only finalize things with the realization of the truth. Picture a cart being pulled by an ox as the cart walks, as the ox walks along. The cart leaves tracks behind it. The cart wheels may not be very big, but the tracks will stretch a long way back. Looking at a cart when it's standing still, you can't see anything long about it. But once the ox starts moving, you can see the tracks stretching out behind you. As long as the ox pulls, the wheels keep on turning. But there comes a day when the ox tires and throws off its harness. The ox walks off and leaves the empty cart. The wheels no longer turn, and in time the cart falls apart. Its components going back into the four elements of earth and water, wind and fire. As you go searching for peace within the world, the wheels of your cart turn ceaselessly and your tracks stretch endlessly behind you. As long as you follow the world, there is no stopping, no rest. But if you simply stop, the cart comes to rest. The wheels no longer turn. On this retreat, we're going to be contemplating, investigating, well, what does this mean, stopping? I think we all have the sense of things going on endlessly, the sense of it'll never get better and the problems just seem so overwhelming. I'm going to assert this and I'm going to fix that. And And it's not that we just have to stop sights and sounds and it's not that. But it's all about the way in which we see and listen, the way in which we receive. Ajahn Shah went on to say, Now what is true peace? True peace, the Buddha said, is not very far away. It lies right here within. But we tend to continually overlook it. It's a stopping looking in the wrong place. Just the very thought that uh, peace is always here and now is helpful. Vimuttisarasabedama, the Buddha taught, that at the core of each and every condition, there is peacefulness. Not by changing the conditions all around, but by welcoming listening, investigating. The root practice that we're doing, the root refuge, is what the Buddha called mindfulness, sati, remembering, rather than dismembering, fracturing, complicating. We're going to take all these different moments of our life, of our day, of sitting and standing and walking and lying down and coming and going, thinking and feeling, happiness and unhappiness, and blessing, touching, connecting. 
these moments to this ground of listening, of presence, of attentiveness. The Buddha called this path of mindfulness the Ekkayanamaga. It's the, sometimes translated as the one-way path, the direct path, or Eka means one, that pathway back to this place of kinship, place where everything merges. With all the instability, all the insecurity, the Buddha taught that what is truly trustworthy is this refuge in Buddha. Being awake, listening, being aware, being mindful. Whether we have a house or don't have a house, whether we're feeling good or not feeling good, whether we feel confused, whether we think we have an answer, All those conditions are continually changing, but the mindfulness, the listening, that which recognizes, ah, it's like this now. That quality is always here and now. This is the portal. This is the gateway back to this unification, back to where all things merge, back to that place which is timelessly peaceful and bright. The Buddha taught that our heart is luminous, what he called the Pabhasra Jitta. It's not that some have it, some don't have it. We all have this core essential according to the saints and sages, nature. But he taught we lose touch with this because of what moves through the heart. We get swept away by the happiness or the unhappiness or the worry or the feeling distressed. But in practicing, mindfully connecting with how things are, we can learn to recognize the nature of the movement, honor it, and quit adding to. This is what makes the will spin and spin and spin. Quit adding that things should, shouldn't get lost in that. Every morning, not tomorrow, because we'll start a half hour later tomorrow in our schedule. I think the Bell is at 5.30, so we start at 6 tomorrow, but uh, day after tomorrow, we'll start at 5.30, and those who wish, we'll, the bell will be at 5, and we'll start at 5.30, and for those who wish, there'll be a short bowing practice to Kuan Yin, a sacred word, Namo, which means I return, I let go, to what? To Kuan Yin, to the one who listens to the sounds of the world. And that is a beautiful gesture, a beautiful, that's universal in all the great spiritual traditions, religious traditions. A gesture of connecting with this moment. The head, the heart, the body, and touching the ground. Namo means I I return my life. Not I reject my life, but I hold it lightly. Let the feelings be as they are as they shift and change. The thoughts of liking and not liking be as they are as it shifts and changes. But in touching the ground with one's head or body and letting be, relaxing, one can touch this ground of listening. The essence of Kuan Yin is the listening. It's another way of talking about our refuge our, our core, where we keep returning on these eight days together to this place of attentiveness, of listening, that's always here and now.
no matter how lost we get, in any moment we can always return and it will always be there at the core of our being, a dimension that is listening, that is awake, that will receive us in all that is. So I encourage us these first few days to be really patient and kind of you're like us and there might be some undigested exhaustion or undigested stuff. Just be patient and rather than getting too lost in the feelings, I encourage us to just practice welcoming how it is and turning the attention to this anchor of the bodily impression, one step at a time, one breath at a time. And if one needs to rest, please, please take the time to rest. But uh, come, definitely come to the, the morning instructions and the evening Dhamma talk so that one can at least be in the sense of the framework of contemplation that will link us together. And also please uh, come and when we get to it, when we start having small groups to check in with how you're doing, please come to, to those so that we can make sure everyone is okay. And a magical part of stepping off that endless wheel that leaves the tracks forever and makes in a moment it seems so impossible. How am I going to figure this out? And where are we going to live? And what are we going to do about that? And oh, gee, what about... There's all a million of those for us. Even right there in that very moment where it just seems way too much. We just, with a moment of mindfulness or heartfulness or appreciative awareness is another beautiful translation of mindfulness. A quality of attention that doesn't judge it, that's honoring that every moment really is sacred. Because if it's true that at the heart of every single moment is the unshakable, luminous peace, has huge implications when we're not feeling good and the pain in the back, oh, well, the pain in the back can't have Nibbana at the center of it. Yes, that's part of our work. With appreciative awareness, we even honor that moment. Or even that moment where we're feeling overwhelmed, just in a moment of listening. If I hear the worry shifting and dissolving and in just letting it be as it comes and goes and the whimpering and the whining and the overwhelmed voice. Just like now, my voice is arising and ceasing and honoring the voice, but as we listen closely, we'll notice the voice is happening in a medium, in a context. It's happening in a living, spacious silence, a wakeful silence. Right now, however our body is, whatever our thoughts are, are manifesting within this spacious, sky-like listening. And yet when we're only focused on the sound of voice, when they're happy, yippee, I'm happy. And then when it turns unhappy, oh my God, what happened? How can I get back there? We go up and down and up and down. But if in even a moment we hear that 
inner feeling tone, that inner voice for what it is, something coming and going within this. We start to notice this presence. It's been here all along. So we're going to be practicing stopping, innocently thinking we have to go too far away and giving ourselves permission to listen into the pauses, the spaces. And here a sacred word can really help us. Because what perpetuates the complexity of life is endless thinking, endless figuring out, endless doing this and doing that. Whereas one word, and this we will do in our bowing, in our chanting, in our meditation practice, it's what the Buddha called vitaka, or using a thought to direct attention, but a moderating of thought, a shortening of thought, a thought that rather than getting on and on, proliferating into all other kinds of stuff, a thought like the word stop. It's not a hateful word. It's not a violent word. It's just stop and then listen to the end of the word. Listen to the silence. Or a, or a thought like, listen. The word dissolves, but it points to the deeper ground of awareness. Or a word like a holy name, like the word Bhutto, which just means awake. It's the name for Buddha. But we also, for those who wish, use it to help us return to connection with the body, breathing. Breathing in Bud, breathing out To, Bhutto. It just means awake. So learning to let the word point us to this moment and the word dissolve so that the word bows into, guides us into listening to that dimension which is always here and now. It's timeless, ever-present. So though we'll be making some suggestions and encouragements, know that we're all part of this family. We're practicing ourselves and uh, really grateful, I am so grateful that little by little I'm learning more to trust this refuge of Buddha, being awake, listening to the Dhamma, to the way things are as it's unfolding for us, perfectly according to the laws of karma. Taking refuge in Sangha, the value of a good friend the value of uh, the presence as we have here of virtuous beings to set an example. We each encourage each other as we learn to befriend what is skillful, what carries us, guides us back to the recognition of our nature. Because once we little by little touch into this ground of being, then naturally the kinship naturally the sense of empathy, kindness, compassion will, will flow again for ourselves and for others. So we can take a a few minutes to stretch, if you like, before we would like to uh, consecrate the beginning of our time together with some uh, chanting, and and Tanisra will, will guide us on some reflections about that. Thank you.
So Kitty Sari used a, a word that I I like very much, which is the word sacred. It's a word that we don't often hear in our regular lives, the uh, flow of the world. Things seem to be divorced often from the sacred. So touching... Um, our experience back into listening or having listening suffuse, awareness suffuse through our experience, roots, whatever is unfolding back into this sacred presence of listening. So we're creating together a sacred space for this work, a space that is boundaried, that is held, that is supportive, that is protected. And part of the way that we help create this space is through our commitment to being here together through the practice of noble silence, which is an ancient practice, spiritual practice, giving ourselves permission to drop beneath our very fascinating social personas and interesting storylines and dramas, (laughs) which are rather endless. As we, as we know, being, giving ourselves permission to release out of that and to touch into this deeper flow, this current of a silence that's very alive, actually allowing the silence, profound silence to suffuse into our being more, to welcome that. Another way of helping to boundary and support and protect the sacred space of the practice field is through the observation of the traditional precepts. These are observances here on the chanting sheets. You can see them on page four. Um, These are what the words in uh, Pali, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth precepts. In the recitation of each of them, we won't recite them right now, but in the recitation of each of them, the word Sikapadang means uh, to train. These are observances that we train ourselves within, which implies that we, we sometimes transgress or we, we cross over the boundary of the, the precept zone and, and then we recognize that we're in what we might call a sort of higher karmic voltage territory, so territories that are, that are, that are potentially generating uh, unskillful uh, dynamic Uh, So these territories are around practicing care in regards to the honoring of life and decreasing of harmlessness in the first precept. We undertake the training to refrain from intentionally taking life in the second precept to protect and honor the property of others um, and others I undertake the training to refrain from taking what is not given. We, ast- we don't assume things are for us that actually are not given freely by others, not only physical property, but maybe emotional, uh, psychological um, energy that we might assume we can access and use, which is not actually offered. So this way of respecting each other through sense, being more sensitive to what is actually offered for us. In the third precept, I undertake the training to refrain from misuse of sexuality. And sometimes this is also, say, for example, in the monastic training of the senses, to use this vital force, this powerful force that is connected with our sexual energies, but also sensual energies to use this force appropriately, carefully, in ways that don't exploit or harm others. And also in this training through a retreat to withdraw the senses from their usual preoccupation, which is a training in and of itself, uh, for the sake of simplification, for the sake of developing this interiority. And the fourth precept is pretty easy to keep on a retreat. to refrain from speech that is false, divisive, harsh, or meaningless. So we will be refraining mostly from speech, unless in our small groups, 
but also we'll be beginning to explore through the meditation what's called the subvocal speech, the root of speech, which is our thinking, to explore that, that which gives rise to our speaking and how to root our, our, our speech in that which is more authentic. And then lastly, it's also pretty easy to keep on a retreat to refrain from intoxication that leads to carelessness. And we, each of these can ref, be refined to really look at what we take into ourselves. Um, sometimes we get very stressed. We can just sort of consume things that aren't very healthy for us. So retreat's a really good way to, to help really explore what are we taking into ourselves um, and to take that which isn't, um, you know, going to give rise to... Uh, to to um, you know, to not a very good energy. So we this these precepts are our template for our practice, and we'll be observing them and um, using them to support our time together. And then uh, the um, also many things that support this practice place. But Kilisara, as you said, we'd like to offer some traditional classical protection chants that were taught by the Buddha. We encourage that one do these recitations. He encouraged his disciples as they moved around to do these recitations for the sake of blessing energy, protective energy, particularly in places where the land or the people are in a state of suffering or overwhelm or denuded somehow. We're actually in a very beneficent place here, but it's a nice way of beginning something like this to mark a boundary that we're making a transition from our everyday space into this space together, this sacred space together, for the particular purpose of supporting each other in the cultivation of the Dharma. So these chants that we'll do, they are calling or invoking as according to the tradition, invoking the forces of goodness, invoking the subtle realms, it's called the Davic realms, invoking the spirits of the land, invoking those uh, energies within us and around us that protect the Dharma, calling on those to be present and to bear witness to our practice. So we begin by invoking the devas and the protective forces to be present for us and then reciting teachings of the Buddha, teachings on metta and loving kindness and teachings on the victory and the ability to overcome all obstructions. So as you listen to the chant, in your own way internally to to intend, make a clear intention to enter this space, this boundary together for the purpose of awakening. This is what we're using this space for. So you can use it to intend in that way, to, to, be, to make an intention that's very clear, and also to, to do this practice not just for ourselves, but also to intend through our time together that we are ultimately all interconnected into an interdependent world that we are also doing this practice to offer whatever emerges from our practice into the whatever goodness emerges from our practice into the world around us at this time this is not empty words this is actually a powerful way that we can transfer the the awakening energy as it begins to operate in our life to transfer those blessings in a prayerful way, in a dedicated way to our families and our communities, to the cities that we're near here in the northeast, to this land, to this country, beyond the boundaries of this country into the continent and across the oceans and into all continents, all peoples and this globe, this world. At this moment, it's very important that we do this. We transfer blessings. So if you'd like to just um, come to your breath and to your body and put these um, sheets to one side for now. we come back to them later. And just uh, as you're sitting, listening to the chants, just allow yourself to focus on your intentionality to use this practice 
this time together for our mutual support in the path of awakening. Sati. <laughs> 
Chang we hayamatisa chakawada ke wata bilo apitamanang atiyanta butampanya padi pajalito ajito amunindo tante chasambo bananda bujaga we budamahit putte na tero bujage Payanto e tu patesa witina chitoa munindo tante jasambo atate jayamangalani du kahari te bujak nasudata hatam brahmang wesu te jutimi te pakabitanan yadana dena witina chitoa munindo tante Sambhavatu te jayamangalani yeta pibuddha jayamangalata kata yoa chenoa dena dene salate matandi hitawana neka vividani chupado nimo kamsukang atikamayanalo Panyo bawat samba mangalang rakandu sabatibata sababutanu pawena sata soti bawantu de bawat samba mangalang rakandu sabatibata sabatamanu pawena sata soti Pawantu te bawatu sama mangala nurakandu sama devata sama sangkanu pawena sata soti pawantu te.
So I wish you a peaceful and restful night. And then for those that can make it, some of you have had long journeys, might need to rest in. But otherwise, the bell is tomorrow at 5.30 and we have a sitting before breakfast at 6 o'clock. Rest well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.